0: You are listening to the Father's House podcast located in Owensboro, Kentucky. For more information, visit thefathershouseky.com. specifically for worship ministries. the equipment you can stand on the shore and watch them surf all day long but you don't know And untidy. He said, in the ocean you've got wind, you've got sand, you've got sharks, you've got other people in the water, you've got tides, you've got undertow, you've got riptides, you've got rocks, you've got weather. He says, and then Bruce says to me, God doesn't want us surfing safe waves in an artificial environment. He wants us to get out in the ocean of the Holy Spirit's movements. Let's get out into untamed Holy Spirit, undomesticated Holy Spirit, unlimited Holy Spirit, uncontainable Holy Spirit, unrestrained Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we want to make room for you. We want to get out into the ocean where you have your way and where we follow what you're doing, where we capture your movements and get in step with your spirit. Surfing waves are formed, in my understanding, by two primary formative elements. Number one, wind. Gotta have wind for surfing waves. And number two, the contour of the ocean floor. How the ocean floor is contour will determine how the waves break on the shore. In fact, if you've ever watched surfers in the ocean, you'll notice sometimes that they tend to huddle right around the same patch of beach, the same wind everywhere, but on this patch of beach, the shape of the ocean causes the waves to swell and rise and produce surfable waves. The largest waves on the planet happen in a place called Nazaré, Portugal. And the reason that these waves are actually bigger than Hawaii, and the reason that this one location in Portugal that produces the world's highest, largest, most dangerous waves. And the reason is both elements. Number one, you've got those Atlantic storms that move across the Atlantic and hit Portugal. So you got the wind. because a lot of churches today In First Samuel four, here's. The- He takes, uh, he conquers the stronghold of Zion and then he wants to person. among the people of Israel. of worship today we do today manual, he gave instructions of how he wanted the got his flesh involved with glory. He came out with leprosy. And so not every time that the glory of God is revealed, it's not always a happy outcome. God wants to show his glory in the church, but he wants to do it in a way that is beneficial. The worship carts on YouTube are pretty impressive. Gotta tell you, they look real good. They're efficient, they're expedient, they're attractive, they're reproducible, they're contemporary. There's some pretty cool Philistine carts on YouTube. Now, I'm about to become sarcastic. If you pick up a little bit of sarcasm in what I'm where I'm about to go right now, you will have good discernment. Uh, and it's intentional. So since I'm gonna be intentionally sarcastic, that means you have permission to laugh if you want to, or you can also cry if you want to. Either option might be maybe equally appropriate. But I'm gonna just suggest some. Benefits of Philistine carts in worship. Here they come. Benefits of Philistine carts. Are you ready for it? Number one, carts go further, faster. carts have wheels on them, sweetheart. I mean, you get wheels on a cart, that thing can really go, and you can get some sweet momentum. Three times in the text, the Bible tells us that Abinadab's house was on a hill. We are supposed to notice this. We're supposed to, what we're supposed to visualize is the house is on a hill. They put the ark on a cart being pulled by two oxen, and it's a downhill thing. The Bible wants you to see it downhill, and the thing starts to get momentum, and it starts to move faster and faster as it's moving downhill. It's got momentum. Levites love momentum. Every one of us in the room, we love crowd momentum. We love it when the people, when there's energy, when there's excitement, when there's enthusiasm when there's momentum we just we just like momentum and in contrast to that shoulder thing, you know when the Levites put it on their shoulders, it's really hard to get momentum. you just never quite feel like you got enough momentum to really get the thing going somewhere. So cards you can go further faster. Number two, a good card can help reduce the length of your worship service because uh, and I'm still being sarcastic because the faster that card goes the sooner you get to your destination and the sooner you get to your destination the shorter the meeting hashtag sweet because Everybody loves shorter meetings. If you've got yourself a good card, you can take that 30-minute worship service and trim off the fat and get it down to 20 minutes. And when you've got a worship service trimmed back to 20, if you work on it, I bet you, you can deliver the same punch in 17 minutes. By the time you get it back to 17, go ahead and work on the thing. I bet you you can get it back to 15 minutes. Because if you got a good Philistine cart, that service can just get trimmed back shorter and shorter. And you get momentum and you get to your destination faster and easier. Everybody loves shorter meetings. Worship teams love shorter meetings. Pastors love shorter meetings. Guests and visitors love shorter meetings. Nursery workers love shorter meetings. Parking attendants love shorter meetings. and it's a fantastic benefit of philistine carts shorter meetings number three benefit of of philistine carts carts are smoother riding is always smoother than walking any golfers in the room I'm not, oh, I got one. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate that. Any golfer in the house knows riding is always smoother than walking. And you're going to have a much smoother worship service with a good Philistine cart. Number four benefit of a Philistine cart, carts require less manpower. A Philistine cart only takes two Levites. When you're carrying that thing on your shoulder, that one takes four Levites. That's twice the manpower. Come on, do the math on your profit and loss sheet. Twice the salaries, twice the expenses. Philistine cards are just such a smart business model. They require less manpower. Number five benefit of carts. Carts aren't so exhausting. Here's the secret. You let the wheels do the work for you. Walking that arc on your shoulder. When you put it on a pole, it gets you in your feet. And then it hits you right here. And then you get it in the back, small of your back. It grabs you in your shoulders. And that bar really gets you in your neck. And carrying that thing. It's just a whole lot more labor-intensive. It chafes your neck, and it makes you sweat. And then after a while you need relief because after you've carried that thing for a while you're like, you know what? We need four more Levites to come and take a turn and spell us off. And so now one worship team becomes two worship teams and four Levites becomes eight Levites. And, and the whole thing is it's just it's just exhausting. Philistine carts. Everybody was really happy with the Philistine cart. On this occasion, the people were happy with the cart. The Levites were happy with the cart. David was happy with the cart. Everybody was happy with the cart, except for one person. The one for whom the thing was intended. It was smooth to the Levites, and it was rough to God. The thing that was rough to the Levites, carrying it on the shoulders, was smoothed. We've got lots of worship cards on YouTube today. Now, when I talk about a worship card, I'm talking about models of corporate worship. And there's quite a few models of corporate worship in the earth. We've got more stuff today to aid us in worship than history has ever seen. And with all these aids and implements at our disposal, with all the cart options that we have, it's easier than ever to have smooth worship services that go further Mr. we've been given to steward the presence of God let's go out there and tremble in his presence and be faithful stewards of what he's called us to do we have accepted a holy responsibility of helping people connect with God and how we steward the moment can make eternal difference in someone's life because people are in our congregations making eternal decisions in the presence of God and how we steward the moment can make an eternal difference. Difference in someone's life. Now, carrying the presence with poles is hard work. I don't think I'm telling anybody in the room something you don't know. Worship leading is hard work, it'll make you sweat, it's burdensome. When we understand the sobriety of our charge, we will tremble in the presence of God because of the sobriety of what he's called us to carry. When carrying the ark, the Levites had to watch with their eyes, they had to balance with their hands, and they had to feel with their feet reminds me of surfing this is what surfers do they watch with their eyes they balance with their hands and they feel With their feet. It's the exact same thing that the Levites did when they carried the ark on their shoulders. Now, I'm going to say something right now that I don't even know what it means, but it's going to come out of my mouth. We lead worship with our feet. We're on a journey. Worship meetings are a corporate journey. We gather together. We're starting at point A. We're moving toward point B. And we're shepherds. We're pastors who are shepherding God's people in a corporate journey as we're on pilgrimage together into the heart of God. We want to have a sense of beginning, a sense of launch, a sense of journey, and hopefully a sense of destination and completion. We want to go somewhere together. And Worship ministries are Levites that carry it on their shoulders and Pastor and shepherd the people of God toward Zion. So I have a question uh, that I've been working with for a while and I want you to wrestle with it together with me. Here's my question. What does it mean to take six paces and then stop? The second time around when they when David moved the ark the second time, he consulted the proper order. The Levites put it on their shoulders. And this one, it's also Second Samuel 6, but it's verse 13. And so it was, Second Samuel 6, 13. And so it was, when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. They went six paces, stopped, sacrificed. Six paces, stopped, sacrificed. Six paces, stopped, sacrificed. What does that mean? For me, it means the opposite of a philistine cart it's herky-jerky it's stop and go and god calls it smooth listen the ark that the cart with wheels never did get to zion carrying it on their shoulders and it got to Zion. Stop and go. The whole way. Take six steps and then stop. When we take six steps and stop, I think we're making room for the Holy Spirit. You've got to make room for glory. That's why we're going to come back, Nathan, to that song in just a moment. When Jesus comes to the house, there's a, a, a young girl that has just died, and he wants to raise her to life, but already the professional mourners are there. And when Jesus comes to the house, there's professional flute players, there's professional mourners, and there's all this commotion happening in the house. And Jesus goes, and, and the verse part it is Matthew 9:24. He says, make room. For the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And for resurrection to be manifest, they had to make room. You have to make room for resurrection. You have to make room for glory. You have to make room for faith. Take six steps, stop, and make room. I don't know if you noticed, but the worship ministry before, before I got up here, I don't know if you noticed that they were trying to actually do this. Did you, did you pick up on it? Like, we, we did a hymn, and then we stopped. And, and we're all like, where are we going? And they're asking the exact same question. (laughs) Because we don't know where we're going. We're trying to find the heart of God together. And we're making room because we're carrying it on our shoulders. I want you to think for a moment about what worship leaders have to juggle. I've got about 15 things on my list that worship leaders have to juggle to pull this thing off. And by the time I finish my list, the worship leaders in the room are gonna be a little depressed. Like, oh yeah, that's right. I do try to do all those things. Oh my goodness. It's really quite the list to be a worship leader. Just listen to this list right now. You have to, you have to pay attention to the chords. You have to follow the melody. You've got to pay attention to the voicings of all the instruments. What inversions, what are the right inversions to play? You've got to be attentive to the lyrics. you got to be attentive to the syncopation and to the rhythm. You've got to control the pitch of your voice. You've got to control your vibrato. You're trying to build team cohesiveness. And so you've got signals going on and you're kind of nodding at one another and you're smiling at one another and you're talking on the talk back microphone and you got signals going on and you're trying to get the team connecting and, and moving together. And then you're managing congregational engagement because you're trying to figure out, are they worshiping or are they watching? Are they really with us right now? And then if they're watching instead of worshiping, what do I need to do right now to get them engaged so that they will become worshipers in this moment? And we're trying to get, you know, should I use a scripture? Should I use an exhortation? Do I just yell? What do I do right now? And then you're trying to figure out, well, should I do a song right now or a, hymn or a spiritual song and then you're trying to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Lord, what are you saying to us right now? Where do we need to take this thing? And on top of doing all of that, you are trying to engage personally with Jesus Christ because for you, it's personal. If you're a hireling, all you really care about is that they worship. But if you're not a hireling, you've got to have your own thing going with Jesus. You're not satisfied that they worship for you. It's like, no, I've got to have my own fire going here. It's got to be face-to-face, eye-to-eye, heart-to-heart. Jesus, it's about you and me. And if nothing else happens in this service, I have got to have something with you going on in my spirit, because it's personal for me. I'm not a hireling. I'm a true shepherd. And so on top of everything else, that you're trying to juggle, you are insistent that it be authentic and real and personal, face to face, got together got tears down my face connecting with Jesus personally because I love him. When you consider everything that a worship leader has to juggle and to pull off in a corporate worship service, if you're going to balance all of that, I think there's only one way to do it. Take six steps and stop. Jesus, it's about you. I'm here right now because it's personal for me. I'm looking into your eyes. I'm after your heart. I want your smile. I love you with all my heart, Jesus. It's you and me right now. Six steps and stop. some places in worship you can only get to one step at a time sometimes you have to slow down to catch up with Jesus if you want a worship concert get yourself a good Philistine card if you want to move through a set list get yourself a good Philistine card If you're interested in playlist worship, get a good cart. But if you want worship in spirit and in truth, you're going to have to carry it on your shoulders, go six paces, and stop. If you want to learn to dance with the Creator, that's what the surfers called it. They said, when you're on those big waves, they called it dancing with God. If you want to learn to dance with God, look at how he created the world. He took six paces and stopped. You know what's happening on Instagram today. People are posting their highlights, and so when you're on Instagram, you're seeing people's show reels, and, and uh, then we, we, we want our lives to look like their show reels. But part of us is going, you know what? What I'm looking at on Instagram, it's not really a reel. It's just the show reels of their highlights. But still, there's something inside of me that wants to compete and measure my dull, boring life with the excitement of their showreels. And we're doing the same thing in worship. We're going on YouTube and looking at the show reels of world class worship ministries that are showing us their highlights and we're comparing it with the dull, boring boring thing we have going in our church and I'm here tonight to say it's not real it's not real it's YouTube show reels YouTube playlists have become the global Model for corporate worship around the world. And YouTube, it's giving us a cart model of corporate worship. A playlist model of worship. And I'm saying it's not real. So here's what they did with the Philistine cart. This is 1 Samuel 6.14 when the philistine cart came into israel territory here's what they did with it first samuel 6:14 did this get into the notes maybe i forgot to send it I'll read it for you. First Samuel six fourteen. So they split the wood of the cart and offered the cows as a burnt offering to the Lord. They split the cart up with axes. The word means to dash in pieces. It's when Abraham split the wood for the burnt offering. It's the exact same word. They took axes to the Philistine cart. They broke it up. They slaughtered the cows and maybe there's somebody in the room that needs to take an axe to a philistine cart what's god calling you to in this moment The Holy and is personalizing this now because what well, God is talking in the... God's saying things to people in the room. That's not coming from the microphone. He's just talking to you personally. Some things that are actually Philistine carts in your life and you're going to have to do the violence of getting an ax out and taking it to that cart and saying, in Jesus' name, I am not going to go... With this Philistine card, I'm going to put it on my shoulders and be a steward of the presence of God. I've been talking about feet quite a bit tonight. I invite you to consecrate your feet to the Lord. The Levites, they watched with their eyes. They balanced with their hands. And they felt every step with their feet. Because when we're in worship, God wants us to feel every step with our feet. And I invite you to consecrate your feet to the Lord Jesus tonight. To say, Jesus, I'm giving you my feet again to walk in holiness, to shoulder your presence, and to walk carefully in your presence because I'm not a driver of the presence of God. I am a carrier of the presence of God. There's some violent things that God may be putting in front of you to do. Jesus, we give you our feet. I'm going to tell a couple stories. And the The common element in these stories, pay attention to altars that God honors. I'm going to tell three stories. When God puts fire on on an altar, pay attention to it. There's something to learn about that altar. When God puts fire on an altar, it's his way of saying, I like this altar. And when God likes an altar of worship, it's something to pay attention to. Okay, God liked that one. Why? And he's like, that's the question I want you to be asking why did I like that altar? First story, David has, uh, he's come to Zion, he is, he's the king of Israel, and he blows it, he counts the people of Israel, and Part of the judgment is a destroying angel is sent by God who destroys 70,000 people in the nation. And then as the destroying angel comes and he's in Jerusalem and God says to the angel, okay, stop now, it's enough. And where the angel stopped, right at Ornan's threshing floor, God said to David, I want you to build an altar right here and offer a sacrifice. So David, in obedience, built an altar, offers a sacrifice to God, and fire from heaven falls on the altar. And David's like, oh my goodness, I have never had fire fall from heaven on an altar before. Why did God put fire on this altar? And God's like, that's the question I want you to ask. And the answer is, this is the exact spot where Solomon is to build his temple. Because it's right here that I want the sacrifices to be offered to me. And Solomon built his temple right there where the fire fell. Second story. Six years now for the story. I was invited by a brother to come to a certain city in America. And uh, my brother, his name is Ron. Ron, who he's, he he happens to know a lot of the churches in this particular city. And he called, he's like, I want to call together a worship forum for our city, for the worship ministries of our city. And he asked if I'd come and address the group. And I said, sure, be glad to. So now, Ron, he's connected. So he knows people in all these different churches. And he pulled together a worship team, cream of the crop, the bass guitar from this church, the drummer from this church, the keyboard from this church, and the guitarist from this church. These guys were good. The only thing was they had never functioned together as a team before. So he's pulling together the best of the best, but they've never functioned as a team before. They get together. It's the Friday night before the Saturday worship forum. And because it started at 9 a.m. on Saturday morning, I flew in on Friday so that I'd be on the ground for Saturday morning. So I fly in on Friday and they're like, they got together. They said, come and join us. And so the worship team is at the church and Ron says to them you can do anything you want except practice he said you can organize your music, you can tune your instrument, you can pray together you can fellowship, we'll have pizza anything you want to do except practice that was okay until the worship leader took sick. And leading worship for this city-wide event fell to the backup worship leader. Well, the backup worship leader, she's a sweetheart. She's a personal friend of mine. I love her dearly. And she gets stuck leading worship for this citywide event where all the worship teams from all the churches are all gonna come together and I did not know this, but she was not so happy. It's 15 minutes before the meeting starts, something like that. And I'm walking down a corridor of the building back in the in a room somewhere. And the worship leader, she has cornered her husband in a room, in a side room, and she is letting him have it. I overheard it by accident. I just happened to be walking past the room. And she is is after her husband because her husband is best friends with Ron. And she is like, you have got to talk to Ron. It's driving me crazy. I don't know what we're doing. I don't know where we're going. There is no vision for this event. He won't let us practice. And she is unhappy. And I'm like, "Oh, this is interesting. We're starting in 15 minutes, and our worship leader is wound." So when we started at 9 a.m., I'm right in the front row. Maddie, right where kind of where you are, I was right in the front row, and I'm just like, "What is gonna happen today?" Because when the worship team comes out, they come out on the platform and they're all smiling and they're all just looking really good. But I have insider information. I happen to know they are not happy up here. I give you my testimony. With the first line of the first song, Jesus walked in the room. It was stunning. The presence of God fell in that room with the first line of the first song. Fire on the altar. And I'm like, why did God put fire on that altar? I don't know, but I'm going to give you my theory. The refusal to rely on human strength. They were good. They could have been even better if they could have just had a chance to practice. And it was a resolve, Ron, the guy who pulled pulled together, he says, We are not going to maximize our human strengths. We're going to step into this with voluntary weakness, set aside human strength, and depend on God, and fire fell on the altar. All the apprehension instantly melted because we knew Jesus is with us. just a little bit giddy because for two years we haven't done anything and we haven't been together for two years and everybody's just a little bit like, you know, in a candy shop because we're together and we're worshiping Jesus together and and we were just like... having a wonderful time together. Paul and Hannah are leading worship. It's the second night, and they're doing Sarah McMillan's song, uh, You Are Good, You Are Good, Oh, You'll Never Let Me Down. You recognize that song. Paul is doing the hymn, and that And Sarah, in the middle of the hymn, she throws in a psalm. It's not in the hymn, but she starts to sing spontaneously from Psalm 23. And she goes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And she's singing Psalm 23 with the same meter and rhythm and chords and melody of the hymn. King of my heart. And so she sings that line. Then they go back to the hymn, and Paul does, you'll never let me down, you are good, you are good. And then Hannah comes back and sings her psalm again. And they start to ping-pong back and forth between the hymn and the psalm. I'm going to guess that the water level was somewhere around waist deep. You know what it's like when you got ankle deep water, you got knee deep water, you waist deep water. What we're really interested in is swimming depth water. That's where we want to go with the thing. And I'm going to guess that we were somewhere around waist deep. I mean, it was good. Jesus was in the room. We're having a good time. We're all together. And when Hannah would sing that Psalm 23, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Every time she got on the psalm, you could feel the water level just kind of like this. Because the sauce was on the psalm. And so then we go back to the hymn and then the psalm. Brian, my friend who organized the thing, gets up, grabs a microphone, and shuts the whole thing down. He stops the whole thing. And I'm like, bro, we're having a good time right now. He stops the whole thing, and he goes, if there's anyone in the room with a life-threatening condition that you've been diagnosed with, I invite you, if you want to, to come up here and on my microphone sing the psalm that Hannah is singing, Psalm 23, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You're invited to come and sing that psalm on my microphone. Of 400 people, I'm gonna guess about 20-ish, something like 20 people that that came to Sydney. They came, you know, from from different parts of the building. They start coming forward, and, uh, and and so Brian grabs the first woman that comes forward and says, "Sing Psalm 23." She's not gonna sing this. He says, "Sing the song." She goes, "No." He says, sing Psalm 23. And she goes, I can't sing. And he goes, I don't care. Sing Psalm 23. And he jams the microphone in her mouth and will not leave her alone. When this gal starts to sing Psalm 23, the whole room goes... You're right, you can't sing. This gal could not sing. She was not sharp. She was not flat. She was on another planet. It didn't even sound like a song. It was some kind of a guttural intonation that wasn't even close to a melody line. And she begins to kind of gutturally speak out. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And I'm giving you my testimony. When she opened her mouth and began to kind of talk her way through that line, a wave of the Holy Spirit crashed into the room and we were all of us instantly in swimming depth waters. It wasn't because of the professionals on the platform. It was because a gal that couldn't carry a tune in a bucket with a life-threatening condition sang a song of faith to the Lord. Why? (laughs) Come on, stand right there. Why did God put fire on that altar? I don't know, but I'll give you my theory. We took six steps and stopped. Fire on the altar. I don't even know what this means, my, my friends. I don't know. What, what does it mean to take six steps and stop? I don't know. But Lord, we just, we just want to follow you. We want to make room for you. Because you got to make room for resurrection. The glory of God, Just you can roll your way right past the glory of God, or you can take six steps and stop and make room for glory. I don't know what's going on in my sister's heart right now, but I don't think she's the only one that should be up here right now. I think we should have a few more folks that just want to come and just get in the presence of God. Uh, I'm going to ask if the worship team would come and get ready. And and in, a, in, in just a few moments, we are going to... Uh, or and uh, if you would be willing to wait on the music till I'm finished that's helpful to me because of my uh, my vocal thing but you might even want to take your shoes off when you come up here tonight if you want to you can but because some of you are coming up to give your feet to Jesus you're coming up here to Jesus you have called me to watch with my eyes to balance with my hands to feel with my feet you have called me to 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 capture the waves of the movements of the Holy Spirit. You have called me to read the ocean of your movements. You have called me to be a Levite in the courts of the king. And I have said yes to a sober, holy responsibility. I'm not in this thing because I came to have fun. I'm in this thing because I came to steward a holy moment in the presence of God. And Lord, Jesus, I'm asking that you would give us altars. Give us altars in our churches. Altars where the fire falls. I'm asking for the fire of God to fall in Owensboro, Kentucky, in Jesus' name. I'm asking for the fire of God to fall on some worship ministries that are represented here. I'm asking for the fire of God to fall on some pastors, on some elders, on some worship leaders. I'm asking for fire to fall on altars as we call Consecrate ourselves to you. Lord Jesus, I'm asking that you would give us the grace to recognize when the wave is coming. Give us the grace to mount the waves of the Holy Spirit. Take the wheels off our carts and help us, Lord Jesus. There's somebody in this room. You've got to do some violence to a cart. Somebody in this room. Because the kingdom of God suffers violence. And somebody needs to say to the Lord, I am taking in acts to this cart in Jesus name the wheels are coming off in Jesus name in the name of Jesus I'm going to carry it on my shoulders I'm going to walk it in the Holy Spirit I'm going to make room for glory in the name of Jesus I want to break off some things off some Levites today in the Holy Spirit I'm asking God to break off in the name of Jesus, may he break off of you comparisons with YouTube show reels of world-class worship ministries. We are not competing with their cart. It's not real. I'll tell you what real is. It's getting the ark on your shoulder, taking six steps, and stopping. That's what's real. In Jesus' name, I break off the comparisons. In the name of Jesus, I break off of you this thing of of being bound to playlist worship. Playlist worship sets. I'm breaking it off of you. In Jesus' name, you are no longer bound to a playlist worship set. But you are called to the freedom of moving seamlessly between psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I am asking right now, Lord Jesus, would you anoint every worship leader in this room to move seamlessly between psalms and hymns and spiritual songs? In Jesus' name, I break off of your life the burden of smooth. Just receive that right now in Jesus' name. I'm breaking it off your life in the name of Jesus. He never called us to smooth. He called us to six steps and then stop. It's actually for us. It's not smooth. But he's like, I like it. It's smooth to me. And we're called to what's smooth in the Holy Spirit. By the grace of, I'm breaking off of you the fear of man in Jesus' name. You are not beholden to a congregation. You are not beholden to a pastor or to a board or to elders or to deacons. You are a servant of God, Most High, and I'm breaking off of every person in this room the fear of man. From this day forward, you will not live under the burden of the fear of man, but you will be liberated to obey the Holy Spirit and Lord Jesus, would you teach us how to read the ocean of the movements of the Holy Spirit? Lord, I'm asking that you would take us into the deep into unhindered Holy Spirit, unbridled Holy Spirit, dangerous Holy Spirit. Take us Lord, into the waves of your movements in the Holy Spirit in Jesus name. Let's just all in our hearts right now. Lord, we're going to make room. We don't even know what it means. What does it mean to take six steps and stop? I don't even know. Lord, I don't know what this means. But by your grace, show me, teach me, help me to walk with you. I'm going to take six steps and stop and make room for glory. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I shall walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear now evil. I shall walk through the valley of And fear no evil. This cancer cannot be in my body. It is not of you, God. It is Satan. And I reject it. I reject it. In the name of Jesus. We stand with your sister. In Jesus' name, we stand together as the body of Christ. And we say that though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death you will fear no evil for he is with you though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death you will fear no evil for God is with you we rebuke every cancerous cell in Jesus name be cursed in the name of Jesus every cancerous cell sister be healed by the power of Jesus Christ in In the name of Jesus. We're we're, we're just going to do whatever. Just do whatever you want to do right now. If if you want to take your shoes off and consecrate your feet, if you want to do something with your feet, they're going to sing it. We're going to sing it together. We're going to make room for the Holy Spirit. Give him your heart. Make an altar right where you are. And... Uh, and th- this is a holy moment. The Lord is with us right now. Let's just take six steps. Do the hymn. Do a psalm. Do a spiritual song. Take six steps.